Maud, Part 1, from Maud and Other Poems by Alfred Tennyson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Maggs. Maud, Part 1. 1. I hate the dreadful hollow behind the little wood. Its lips in the field above are dabbled with blood-red heath. The red-ribbed ledges drip with a silent horror of blood, and echo there, whatever is asked her, answers death. For there in the ghastly pit, long since, a body was found, his who had given me life. O oh, father, O oh God, was it well? Mangled and flattened and crushed and dinted into the ground. There yet lies the rock that fell with him when he fell. Did he fling himself down? Who knows? For a vast speculation had failed, and ever he muttered and maddened, and ever wand with despair. And out he walked when the wind like a broken worldling wailed, and the flying gold of the ruined woodlands drove through the air. I remember the time, for the roots of my hair were stirred by a shuffled step, by a dead weight trailed, by a whispered fright, and my pulses closed their gates with a shock on my heart as I heard the shrill-edged shriek of a mother divide the shuddering night. Villainy somewhere. Whose? One says we are villains all. Not he. His honest fame should at least by me be maintained. But that old man, now lord of the broad estate and the hall, dropped off gorged from a scheme that had left us flaccid and drained. Why do they prate of the blessings of peace? We have made them a curse. Pickpockets each hand lusting for all that is not its own. And lust of gain, in the spirit of Cain, is it better or worse than the heart of the citizen hissing in war on his own hearthstone? But these are the days of advance, the works of the men of mind, when who but a fool would have faith in a tradesman's ware, or his word? Is it peace or war? Civil war, as I think, and that of a kind the viler as underhand, not openly bearing the sword. Sooner or later I too may passively take the print of a golden age. Why not? I have neither hope nor trust, may make my heart as a millstone, set my face as a flint, cheat and be cheated and die who knows we are ashes and dust peace sitting under her olive and slurring the days gone by when the poor are hovelled and hustled together each sex like swine when only the ledger lives and when only not all men lie peace in her vineyard yes but our company forges the wine. And the vitriol madness flushes up in the ruffian's head, 
till the filthy by-lane ring to the yell of the trampled wife, while chalk and alum and plaster are sold to the poor for bread, and the spirit of murder works in the very means of life. And sleep must lie down armed, for the villainous centre-bits grind on the wakeful ear in the hush of the moonless nights, while another is cheating the sick of a few last gasps as he sits to pestle a poisoned poison behind his crimson lights. When a mammonite mother kills her babe for a burial fee, and Tim or Mammon grins on a pile of children's bones, is it peace or war? Better war, loud war by land and by sea, war with a thousand battles and shaking a hundred thrones. For I trust if an enemy's fleet came yonder round by the hill, and the rushing battle-bolt sang from the three-decker out of the foam, that the smooth-faced, snub-nosed rogue would leap from his counter until and strike, if he could, were it but with his cheating yard-wand home. What am I raging alone as my father raged in his mood? Must I too creep to the hollow and dash myself down and die rather than hold by the law that I made, never more to brood on a horror of shattered limbs and a wretched swindler's lie? Would there be sorrow for me? There was love in the passionate shriek, love for the silent thing that had made false haste to the grave, wrapped in a cloak as I saw him, and thought he would rise and speak and rave at the lie and the liar, oh God, as he used to rave. I am sick of the hall in the hill, I am sick of the moor in the main, why should I stay? Can a sweeter chance ever come to me here? Oh, having the nerves of motion as well as the nerves of pain, were it not wise if I fled from the place and the pit and the fear? There are workmen up at the hall. They are coming back from abroad. The old dark place will be gilt by the touch of a millionaire. I have heard... I know not whence, of the singular beauty of Maud. I played with the girl when a child. She promised then to be fair. Maud, with her venturous climbings and tumbles and childish escapes, Maud, the delight of the village, the ringing joy of the hall, Maud, with her sweet purse-mouth, when my father dangled the grapes, Maud, the beloved of my mother, the moon-faced darling of all. What is she now? My dreams are bad. She may bring me a curse. Though there is fatter game on the moor, she will let me alone. Thanks, for the fiend best knows whether woman or man be the worse. I will bury myself in my books, and the devil may pipe to his own. Two. Long have I sighed for a calm. God grant I may find it at last. 
It will never be broken by Maud. She has neither savour nor salt, but a cold and clear-cut face, as I found when her carriage passed, perfectly beautiful. Let it be granted her. Where is the fault? All that I saw, for her eyes were downcast, not to be seen, faultily faultless, icily regular, splendidly null, dead perfection, no more, nothing more. If it had not been for a chance of travel, a paleness, an hour's defect of the rose, or an underlip, you may call it a little too ripe, too full, or the least little delicate aquiline curve in a sensitive nose, from which I escaped heart-free, with the least little touch of spleen. 3. Cold and clear-cut face, why come you so cruelly meek, breaking a slumber in which all spleenful folly was drowned? Pale with the golden beam of an eyelash dead on the cheek, passionless, pale, cold face, star-sweet on a gloom profound, woman-like, taking revenge too deep for a transient wrong done but in thought to your beauty, and ever as pale as before, growing and fading, and growing upon me without a sound. Luminous, gem-like, ghost-like, death-like, half the night long growing and fading and growing till I could bear it no more, but arose and all by myself in my own dark garden ground, listening now to the tide in its broad-flung shipwrecked roar, now to the scream of a maddened beach dragged down by the wave, walked in a wintry wind by a ghastly glimmer, and found the shining daffodil dead, and Orion low in his grave. A million emeralds break from the ruby-budded lime in the little grove where I sit. Ah, wherefore cannot I be like things of the season gay, like the bountiful season bland, when the far-off sail is blown by the breeze of a softer clime, half lost in the liquid azure bloom of a crescent of sea, the silent, sapphire-spangled marriage-ring of the land. Below me, there, is the village, and looks how quiet and small, and yet bubbles all like a city, with gossip and scandal and spite, and Jack in his alehouse bench has many lies as a sar, and here, on the landward side, by a red rock, glimmers the hall, and up in the high hall garden I see her pass like a light. But sorrow sees me if ever that light be my leading star. When have I bowed to her father, the wrinkled head of her race? I met to-day with her brother, 
but not to her brother i bowed i bowed to his lady sister as she rode by on the moor but the fire of a foolish pride flushed over her beautiful face oh child you wrong your beauty believe it in being so proud your father has wealth well gotten and i am nameless and poor i keep but a man and a maid ever ready to slander and steal i know it and smile a hard-set smile like a stoic or like a wiser epicurean and let the world have its way for nature is one with rapine a harm no preacher can heal the mayfly is torn by the swallow the sparrow speared by the shrike and the whole little wood where i sit is a world of plunder and prey we are puppets man in his pride and beauty fair in her flower do we move ourselves or are moved by an unseen hand as a game that pushes off from the board and others ever succeed ah yet we cannot be kind to each other here for an hour we whisper and hint and chuckle and grin at a brother's shame however we brave it out we men are a little breed a monstrous eft was of old the lord and master of earth for him did his high sun flame and his river billowing run and he felt himself in his force to be nature's crowning race as nine months go to the shaping an infant ripe for his birth so many a million of ages have gone to the making of man he now is first but is he the last is he not too base the man of science himself is fonder of glory and vain an eye well practised in nature a spirit bounded and poor the passionate heart of the poet is whirled into folly and vice i would not marvel at either but keep a temperate brain for not to desire or admire if a man could learn it were more than to walk all day like the sultan of old in a garden of spice for the drift of the maker is dark and isis hid by the veil who knows the ways of the world how god will bring them about our planet is one the suns are many the world is wide shall i weep if a poland fail shall i shriek if a hungry fail or an infant civilization be ruled with rod or with knout i have not made the world and he that made it will guide be mine a philosopher's life in the quiet woodland ways 
where, if I cannot be gay, let a passionless peace be my lot. Far off from the clamours of liars, belied in the hubbub of lies, from the long-necked geese of the world that are ever hissing dispraise because their natures are little, and, whether he heed it or not, where each man walks with his head in a cloud of poisonous flies. And, most of all, would I flee from the cruel madness of love, the honey of poison flowers, and all the measureless ill. Ah, Maud, you milk-white fawn, you are all unmeet for a wife. Your mother is mute in her grave as her image in marble above. Your father is ever in London. You wander about at your will. You have but fed on the roses and lain in the lilies of life. 5. A voice by the cedar tree, in the meadow under the hall. She is singing an air that is known to me, a passionate ballad, gallant and gay, a martial song like a trumpet's call, singing alone in the morning of life, and in the happy morning of life and of May, singing of men in that battle array, ready in heart and ready in hand, march with banner and bugle and fife to the death for their native land. Maud, with her exquisite face and wild voice pealing up to the sunny sky, and feet like sunny gems on an English green, Maud, in the light of her youth and her grace, singing of death and of honour that cannot die, till I well could weep for a time so sordid and mean, and myself so languid and base. Silence, beautiful voice, be still, for you only trouble the mind with a joy in which I cannot rejoice, a glory I shall not find. Still, I will hear you no more, for your sweetness hardly leaves me a choice but to move to the meadow and fall before her feet on the meadow-grass, and adore not her, who is neither courtly nor kind, not her, not her, but a voice. 6. Morning arises stormy and pale, no sun but a wannish glare in fold upon fold of hueless cloud, and the budded peaks of the wood are bowed, caught and cuffed by the gale. I had fancied it would be fair. Whom but Maud should I meet last night, when the sunset burned on the blossomed gable ends at the head of the village street? Whom but Maud should I meet? And she touched my hand, with a smile so sweet, she made me divine amends for a courtesy not returned. And thus, 
a delicate spark of glowing and growing light through the livelong hours of the dark kept itself warm in the heart of my dreams, ready to burst in a coloured flame, till at last when the morning came in a cloud, it faded and seems but an ashen grey delight. What if with her sunny hair and smile as sunny as cold she meant to weave me a snare of some coquettish deceit, Cleopatra-like as of old, to entangle me when we met, to have her lion roll in a silken net and fawn at a victor's feet. Ah, what shall I be at fifty, should nature keep me alive, if I find the world so bitter when I am but twenty-five? Yet, if she were not a cheat, if Maud were all that she seemed, and her smile were all that I dreamed, then the world were not so bitter, but a smile could make it sweet. What if, though her eyes seemed full of a kind intent to me, what if that dandy despot, he, that jewelled mass of millinery, that oiled and curled Assyrian bull, smelling of musk and insolence, her brother, from whom I keep aloof, who wants the finer politic sense to mask, though but in his own behoof with a glassy smile his brutal scorn, what if he had told her yestermorn how prettily for his own sweet sake a face of tenderness might be feigned and a moist mirage in desert eyes, that so, when the rotten hustings shake in another month to his brazen lies, a wretched vote may be gained. For a raven ever croaks at my side, Keep watch and ward, keep watch and ward, or thou wilt prove their tool. Yea, too, myself from myself I guard, for often a man's own angry pride is cap and bells for a fool. Perhaps the smile and tender tone came out of her pitying womanhood. For am I not, am I not here alone so many a summer since she died, my mother, who was so gentle and good, living alone in an empty house, here half hidden in the gleaming wood, where I hear the dead at midday moan, and the shrieking rush of the wainscot mouse, my own sad name in corners cried, when the shiver of dancing leaves is thrown about its echoing chambers wide, till a morbid hate and horror have grown of a world in which I have hardly mixed, and a morbid eating lichen fixed on a heart half turned to stone. O oh, heart of stone, are you flesh, 
and caught by that you swore to withstand? For what was it else within me wrought but I fear the new strong wine of love that made my tongue so stammer and trip when I saw the treasured splendour her hand come sliding out of her sacred glove and the sunlight broke from her lip? I have played with her when a child. She remembers it now we meet. Ah, oh, well, 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 I may be beguiled by some coquettish deceit. Yet if she were not a cheat, if Maud were all that she seemed, and her smile had all that I dreamed, then the world were not so bitter but a smile could make it sweet. 7. Did I hear it half in a doze long since? I know not where. Did I dream it an hour ago when asleep in this armchair? Men were drinking together, drinking and talking of me. Well, if it prove a girl, the boy will have plenty, so let it be. Is it an echo of something red with a boy's delight? Viziers nodding together in some Arabian night? Strange that I hear two men somewhere talking of me. Well, if it proves a girl, my boy will have plenty. So let it be. 8. She came to the village church and sat by a pillar alone. An angel watching an urn wept over her, carved in stone. And once... But once she lifted her eyes, and suddenly, sweetly, strangely blushed to find they were met by my own, and suddenly, sweetly, my heart beat stronger and thicker until I heard no longer the snowy-banded, dilettante, delicate-handed priest in tone, and thought, Is it pride? Amused and sighed, No, surely, now it cannot be pride. 9. I was walking a mile, more than a mile from the shore. The sun looked out with a smile betwixt the cloud and the moor, and riding at set of day over the dark moorland, riding rapidly far away, she waved to me with her hand. There were two at her side. Something flashed in the sun. Down by the hill I saw them ride. In a moment they were gone, like a sudden spark struck vainly in the night. And back returns the dark with no more hope of light. 10. Sick. Am I sick of a jealous dread? Was not one of the two at her side this new-made lord, whose splendour plucks the slavish hat from the villager's head, whose old grandfather has lately died, gone to a blacker pit, 
for whom grimy nakedness dragging his trucks and laying his trams in a poisoned gloom wrought till he crept from a gutted mine master of half a servile shire and left his coal all turned to gold to a grandson first of his noble line rich in the grace all women desire strong in the power that all men adore and simper and set their voices lower and soften as if to a girl and hold awe-stricken breaths at a work divine seeing his gigor castle shine new as his title built last year there amid the perky larches and pine and over the sullen purple moor look at it pricking a cockney ear what has he found my jewel out for one of the two that rode at her side bound for the hall i am sure it was he bound for the hall and i think for a bride blithe would her brother's acceptance be maud could be gracious too no doubt to a lord a captain a padded shape a bought commission a waxen face a rabbit mouth that is ever agape bought what is it he cannot buy and therefore splenetic personal base a wounded thing with a rancorous cry at war with myself and a wretched race sick sick to the heart of life am i last week came one to the county town to preach our poor little army down and play the game of the despot kings though the state has done it and thrice as well this broad-brimmed hawker of holy things whose ear is crammed with cotton and rings even in dreams to the chink of his pence this huckster put down war can he tell whether war be a cause or a consequence put down the passions that make earth hell down with ambition avarice pride jealousy down cut off from the mind the bitter springs of anger and fear down too down at your own fireside with the evil tongue and the evil ear for each is at war with mankind i wish i could hear again the chivalrous battle-song that she warbled alone in her joy i might persuade myself then she would not do herself this great wrong to take a wanton dissolute boy for a man and leader of men ah god for a man with heart head hand like some of the simple great ones gone for ever and ever by one still strong man in a blatant land whatever they call him what care i aristocrat democrat autocrat 
one who can rule and dare not lie. And, ah, for a man to arise in me, that the man I am may cease to be. 11. Oh, let the solid ground not fail beneath my feet, before my life has found what some have found so sweet, then let come what come may, what matter if I go mad, I shall have had my day. Let the sweet heavens endure, not close and darken above me before I am quite, quite sure that there is one to love me. Then let come what come may to a life that has been so sad, I shall have had my day. 12. Birds in the high hall garden when twilight was falling, Maud, 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 they were crying and calling. Where was Maud? In our wood. And I, who else, was with her, gathering woodland lilies, myriads blow together. Birds in our wood sang, ringing through the valleys, Maud is here, 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 in among the lilies. I kissed her slender hand, she took the kiss sedately. Maud is not seventeen, but she is tall and stately. I to cry out on pride who have won her favour. Maud was sure of heaven if lowliness could save her. I know the way she went, home with her maiden posy, and her feet have touched the meadows and left the daisies rosy. Birds in the high hall garden were crying and calling to her. Where is Maud, Maud, Maud? One is come to woo her. Look, a horse at the door, and little King Charles is snarling. Go back, my lord, across the moor. You are not her darling. 13. Scorned, to be scorned by one that I scorn, is that a matter to make me fret? That a calamity hard to be borne? Well, he may live to hate me yet. Fool that I am to be vexed with his pride. I passed him. I was crossing his lands. He stood on the path a little aside. His face, as I grant, in spite of spite, as a broad-blown comeliness, red and white, and six feet two, I think, as he stands. But his essences turned the live air sick, and barbarous opulence jewel thick sunned itself on his breast and his hands. Who shall call me ungentle, unfair? I longed so heartily then and there to give him the grasp of fellowship, but while I passed he was humming an air, stopped, and then with a riding whip leisurely tapping a glossy 
boot and curving a contumelious lip gorgonized me from head to foot with a stony british stare why sits he here in his father's chair that old man never comes to his place shall i believe him ashamed to be seen for only once in the village street last year i caught a glimpse of his face a grey old wolf and a lean scarcely now would i call him a cheat for then perhaps as a child of deceit she might by a true descent be untrue and maud is as true as maud is sweet though i fancy her sweetness only due to the sweeter blood by the other side her mother has been a sing complete however she came to be so allied and fair without faithful within more to him is nothing akin some peculiar mystic grace made her only the child of her mother and heaped the whole inherited sin on that huge scapegoat of the race all all upon the brother peace angry spirit and let him be has not his sister smiled on me fourteen maud has a garden of roses and lilies fair on a lawn and there she walks in her state and tends upon bed and bower and thither i climbed at dawn and stood by her garden gate a lion ramps at the top he is clasped by a passion flower maud's own little oak room which maud like a precious stone set in the heart of the carven gloom lights with herself when alone she sits by her music and books and her brother lingers late with a roistering company looks upon maud's own garden gate and i thought as i stood if a hand as white as ocean foam in the moon were laid on the hasp of the window and my delight had a sudden desire like a glorious ghost to glide like a beam of the seventh heaven down to my side there were but a step to be made a fancy flattered my mind and again seemed overbold now i thought that she cared for me now i thought she was kind only because she was cold i heard no sound where i stood but the rivulet on from the lawn running down to my own dark wood or the voice of the long sea-wave as it swelled now and then in the dim grey dawn but i looked and round all round the house i beheld the death white curtain drawn felt a horror over me creep prickle my skin and catch my breath 
knew that the death-white curtain meant but sleep yet i shuddered and thought like a fool of the sleep of death fifteen so dark a mind within me dwells and i make myself such evil cheer that if i be dear to someone else then someone else may have much to fear but if i be dear to someone else then i should be to myself more dear shall i not take care of all that i think yea even of wretched meat and drink if i be dear if i be dear to someone else Sixteen. This lump of earth has left his estate the lighter by the loss of his weight, and so that he find him what he went to seek, and fulsome pleasure clog him, and drown his heart in the gross mud-honey of town. He may stay for a year who has gone for a week. But this is the day when I must speak and see my oread coming down oh this is the day oh beautiful creature what am i that dare to look her way think i may hold dominion sweet lord of the pulse that is lord of her breast and dream of her beauty with tender dread from the delicate arab arch of her feet to the grace that bright and light of the crest of a peacock sits on her shining head and she knows it not oh if she knew it to know her beauty might half undo it i know it the one bright thing to save my yet young life in the wilds of time perhaps from madness perhaps from crime perhaps from a selfish grave what if she be fastened to this fool lord dare i bid her abide by her word should i love her so well if she had given her word to a thing so low shall i love her as well if she can break her word were it even for me i trust that it is not so catch not my breath o clamorous heart let not my tongue be a thrall to my eye for i must tell her before we part i must tell her or die seventeen go not happy day from the shining fields go not happy day till the maiden yields rosy is the west rosy is the south roses are her cheeks and a rose her mouth when the happy yes falters from her lips pass and blush the news o'er the blowing ships over blowing seas over seas at rest pass the happy news blush it through the west till the red man dance by his red cedar tree and the red man's babe leap beyond the sea 
blush from west to east blush from east to west till the west is east blush it through the west rosy is the west rosy is the south roses are her cheeks and a rose her mouth eighteen i have led her home my love my only friend there is none like her none and never yet so warmly ran my blood and sweetly on and on calming itself to the long wished-for end full to the banks close on the promised good none like her none just now the dry tongue laurel's pattering talk seemed her light foot along the garden walk and shook my heart to think she comes once more but even then i heard her close the door the gates of heaven are closed and she is gone there is none like her none nor will be when our summers have deceased oh art thou sighing for lebanon in the long breeze that streams to the delicious east sighing for lebanon dark cedar though thy limbs have here increased upon a pastoral slope as fair and looking to the south and fed with honeyed rain and delicate air and haunted by the starry head of her whose gentle will has changed my fate and made my life a perfumed altar flame and over whom thy darkness must have spread with such delights as theirs of old thy great forefathers of the thornless garden there shadowing the snow-limbed eve from whom she came here will i lie while these long branches sway and you fair stars that crown a happy day go in and out as if at merry play who am no more so all forlorn than when it seemed far better to be born to labour and the mattock hardened hand than nursed at ease and brought to understand a sad astrology the boundless plan that makes you tyrants in your iron skies innumerable pitiless passionless eyes cold fires yet with power to burn and brand his nothingness into man but now shine on and what care i who in this stormy gulf have found a pearl the counter-charm of space and hollow sky and do accept my madness and would die to save from some slight shame one simple girl would die for sullen seeming death may give more life to love than ever is or ever was in our low world where yet tis sweet to live let no man ask me how it came to pass it seems that i am happy 
that to me a livelier emerald twinkles in the grass, a purer sapphire melts into the sea. Not die, but live a life of truest breath, and teach true life to fight with mortal wrongs. Oh, why should love, like men in drinking songs, spice his fair banquet with the touch of death? Make answer, Maud, my bliss, Maud, made my Maud by that long lover's kiss, life of my life, wilt thou not answer this? The dusty strand of death, inwoven here with dear love's tie, makes love himself more dear. Is that enchanted moan only the swell of the long waves that roll in yonder bay? And hark the clock within, the silver knell of twelve sweet hours passed in bridal white, and died to live long as my pulses play. But now by this my love has closed her sight, and given false death her hand, and stolen away to dreamful wastes where footless fancies dwell among the fragments of the golden day. May nothing there her maiden grace affright. Dear heart, I feel with thee the drowsy spell. My bride-to-be, my evermore delight, my own heart's heart and ownest own farewell. It is but for a little space I go, and ye, meanwhile, far over moor and fell, beat to the noiseless music of the night. Has our whole earth gone nearer to the glow of your soft splendours, that you look so bright? I have climbed nearer out of lonely hell. Beat, happy stars, timing with things below, beat with my heart more blessed than heart can tell. Blessed, but for some dark undercurrent woe that seems to draw. But it shall not be so. Let all be well, be well. 19. Her brother is coming back to-night, breaking up my dream of delight. My dream? Do I dream of bliss? I have walked awake with truth. Oh, when did a morning shine so rich in atonement as this for my dark-dawning youth? Darkened watching a mother decline, and that dead man at her heart and mine, for who was left to watch her but I? Yet so did I let my freshness die. I trust that I did not talk to gentle Maud in our walk, for often in lonely wanderings I have cursed him even to lifeless things. I trust that I did not talk, not touch on her father's sin. I am sure I did but speak of my mother's faded cheek 
when it slowly grew so thin that I felt she was slowly dying, vexed with lawyers and harassed with debt. For how often I caught her with eyes all wet, shaking her head at her son and sighing, a world of trouble within. And Maud too, Maud was moved to speak of the mother she loved as one scarce less forlorn, dying abroad, and it seems apart from him who had ceased to share her heart, and ever mourning over the feud, the household fury sprinkled with blood by which our houses are torn. How strange was what she said, when only Maud and the brother hung over her dying bed, that Maud's dark father and mine had bound us one to the other, betrothed us over their wine on the day when Maud was born, sealed her mine from her first sweet breath, mine, mine by a right, from birth till death, mine, mine, our fathers have sworn. But the true blood spilt had in it a heat to dissolve the precious seal on a bond that, if left uncancelled, had been so sweet. And none of us thought of something beyond, a desire that awoke in the heart of the child, as it were a duty done to the tomb to be friends for her sake, to be reconciled and I was cursing them and my doom, and letting a dangerous thought run wild, while often abroad in the fragrant gloom of foreign churches, I see her there, bright English lily, breathing a prayer to be friends, to be reconciled. But then what a flint is he! Abroad, at Florence, at Rome, I find whenever she touched on me, this brother had laughed her down. And at last, when each came home, he had darkened into a frown, chid her and forbid her to speak to me, her friend of the years before. And this was what had reddened her cheek when I bowed to her on the moor. Yet Maud, although not blind to the faults of his heart and mind, I see she cannot but love him, and says he is rough but kind, and wishes me to approve him. She tells me, when she lay sick once, with a fear of worse, that he left his wine and horses and play, sat with her, read to her, night and day, and tended her like a nurse. Kind, but the deathbed desire spurned by this air of the liar, rough but kind, yet I know he has plotted against me in this, that he plots against me still. Kind to Maud, that were not amiss, 
Well, rough but kind, why, let it be so, for shall not Maud have her will? For Maud, so tender and true, as long as my life endures, I feel I shall owe you a debt that I never can hope to pay. And if ever I should forget that I owe this debt to you, and for your sweet sake to yours, oh, then, what shall I say? If ever I should forget, may God make me more wretched than ever I have been yet. So now have I sworn to bury all this dead body of hate. I feel so free and so clear by the loss of that dead weight that I should grow light-headed, I fear, fantastically merry, but that a brother comes like a blight on my fresh hope to the hall to-night. 20. Strange that I felt so gay, Strange that I tried to-day to beguile her melancholy. The Sultan, as we name him, she did not wish to blame him, but he vexed her and perplexed her with his worldly talk and folly. Was it gentle to reprove her for stealing out of view from a little lazy lover who but claims her as his due? or for chilling his caresses by the coldness of her manners, nay, the plainness of her dresses. Now I know her but in two, nor can pronounce upon it if one should ask me whether the habit, hat and feather, or the frock and gypsy bonnet be the neater and completer, for nothing can be sweeter than maiden moored in either. But to-morrow, if we live, our ponderous squire will give a grand political dinner to half the squirelings near, and Maud will wear her jewels, and the bird of prey will hover, and the titmouse hope to win her with his chirrup at her ear. A grand political dinner to the men of many acres, a gathering of the Tory, a dinner, and then a dance for the maids and marriage-makers, and every eye but mine will glance at Maud in all her glory, for I am not invited, but, with the Sultan's pardon, I am all as well delighted, for I know her own rose-garden, and mean to linger in it till the dancing will be over. And then, oh then, come out to me for a minute, but for a minute, come out to your own true lover, that your true lover may see your glory also, and render all homage to his own darling, Queen Maud in all her splendour. 21. Rivulet crossing my ground, and bringing me down from the hall this garden rose that I found, forgetful of Maud and me, 
and lost in trouble and moving around here at the head of a tinkling fall and trying to pass to the sea rivulet born at the hall my maud has sent it by thee if i read her sweet will right on a blushing mission to me saying in odour and colour ah oh, be among the roses to-night twenty two come into the garden maud for the black bat night has flown come into the garden maud i am here at the gate alone and the woodbine spices are wafted abroad and the musk of the roses blown for a breeze of morning moves and the planet of love is on high beginning to faint in the light that she loves on a bed of daffodil sky to faint in the light of the sun she loves to faint in his light and to die all night have the roses heard the flute violin bassoon all night has the casement jessamine stirred to the dancers dancing in tune till a silence fell with the waking bird and a hush with the setting moon i said to the lily there is but one with whom she has heart to be gay when will the dancers leave her alone she is weary of dance and play now half to the setting moon are gone and half to the rising day low on the sand and loud on the stone the last wheel echoes away i said to the rose the brief night goes in babble and revel and wine young lord lover what sighs are those for one that will never be thine but mine but mine so i swear to the rose for ever and ever mine and the soul of the rose went into my blood as the music clashed in the hall and long by the garden gate i stood for i heard your rivulet fall from the lake to the meadow and on to the wood our wood that is dearer than all from the meadow your walks have left so sweet that whenever a march wind sighs he sets the jewel-print of your feet in violets blue as your eyes to the woody hollows in which we meet and the valleys of paradise the slender acacia would not shake one long milk bloom on the tree the white lake blossom fell into the lake as the pimpernel dozed on the lea but the rose was awake all night for your sake knowing your promise to me the lilies and roses were all awake they sighed for the dawn and thee queen rose of the rosebud garden of girls come hither the dances are done in gloss of satin and glimmer of pearls queen lily 
and rose in one. Shine out, little head, sunning over with curls to the flowers, and be their sun. There is fallen a splendid tear from the passion flower at the gate. She is coming, my dove, my dear, she is coming, my life, my fate. The red rose cries, she is near, she is near, and the white rose weeps, she is late. The larkspur listens, I hear, I hear, and the lily whispers, I wait. She is coming, my own, my sweet, were it ever so airy a tread. My heart would hear her and beat were it earth in an earthy bed. My dust would hear her and beat had I lain for a century dead, would start and tremble under her feet and blossom in purple and red. End of part one of Maud by Alfred Tennyson